Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Person New Rock in America featuring Soccer New. Hello. Hey. We got that turned around, little miss. No, we didn't. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Rock in America featuring Person New. It's Soccer New Rock in America. Oh, you said it right. Soccer New Rock in America. Person New. (laughs) This is episode 113 of our Wild and Wooly Weekly World Mini Previews Match Show, which thankfully isn't all part of the official name, but that gives you an idea of what we typically do. I am Soccer New, but I've only been following soccer really hardcore for uh, just a very short few years. And uh, with me is my co-host and beloved daughter, Person noob, 10 years old. How are you tonight? Hi. You're high? No, just high. <laughs> you look a little tired. You had to get up very early today, didn't you? Five in the morning, yes. Yeah, because we went to uh, we went to Chick-fil-A so that I could go to men's group for, for church. Talk about uh, some of the guys talk about theology and you did your homework and had some fruit cup. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to play it, but you didn't climb into that big car on this hanging from the ceiling, did you? Actually, I did for like 50, for like ten seconds, and then I thought I was gonna die. Well, I'm glad it didn't come to that, because I mean, if you got to go, why not go at Chick Fil A? But I still don't think at ten years old, you're probably really thinking about your mortality in that way. If I were to have an accident in a Chick Fil A car and have that written about me in the paper as the way I went, for me, because I'm older, that wouldn't be quite as tragic as it would be. If it happened to you, in which case it would be desperately tragic. In the play area, I didn't see that. I didn't see that uh, uh, that the front of it was actually like attached. But, like it wasn't at the bottom. It was like uh, touching, like uh, it was like diagonal. So I thought that I was gonna die. That it was just like hanging there, and I thought that I was gonna make it die. Oh, you weren't able to see how it was supported, and you were afraid that until I left. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so on the way out. Well, that makes sense. Well, I'm glad you made it out of the Chick Fil A play area, which you were technically too tall for. <laughs> Remember? And too old for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to the sign, you know, it had something in there that said uh, that, like, it had a height thing, which was like 54 inches or something. You're just a little bit taller I'm than 57. that. 57. And, uh, but then it also had a sign and maybe it was only referring to one particular piece of equipment, but I couldn't tell at a glance that said that the area was for toddlers, like three years old and under. It did. How many toddlers are anywhere close to 54 inches tall, like remotely close? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. That's like when we, it reminds me of when we went to that Mexican restaurant a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and they had the electronic uh, sign on the wall that indicated like, you know, to, you know, to drink. You must have been born, you know, before this date. And what date did it show up there? 
Um, it was 2011 in May, uh, May like 25th or something, which means you have to be 10 and a half. Therefore, I was old enough. Old enough, yeah. So we had to get around a dose of kisses for everybody. That's yeah. not true. That's not true, is it? Yeah. Because you couldn't prove you were 10 and a half. You didn't bring your birth certificate. Oh, am I ruining the joke? Yeah. Sorry about that. She's the consummate pro, apparently. I am the uh, broadcast noob as well. You're doing some fine work over here. Well, so shall we tell the people what we got in store? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to be covering soccer noob. Uh, soccer noob? No, I'm soccer noob. We're going to be covering soccer matches from all over the world, usually top two matchups or matchups from top flights in leagues where they're really close to the end of the season and the drama is high. Or from tournaments, obviously, we'll be talking about the World Cup. person who's been uh, gracious enough to do a couple of teachable moment segments for us the last couple of weeks. And we'll be looking at other tournaments as well. If the drama is high, if the stakes are escalated, there's a pretty good chance the match that uh, that you're thinking of is on our radar. We're going to cover 10 of those and then our three bonus matches, and we'll have lots of fun with um, a special guest and two segments with you later on, won't we? Yeah. Yeah, because you're the star of the show. Yeah. Are you comfortable with that, that weight on your shoulders, that burden that people put on you being the one that people want to hear? Sure. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you are up, you know, that you're up to the moment. You always have been, but I like to check in with you every so often, make sure Mm -hmm. that the pressure of all this fame hasn't gotten to be too much. Also, I like turtles. I, ladies and gentlemen, she said, I like turtles. Maybe the pressure is getting to her. This week we're going to be covering matches from uh, Friday through Thursday. As always, this week is December 9 through Thursday the 15th. With no further gilding of the lily, let's jump right in with... Match number one! Our first one is a dandy of a match. We're headed back for the third week in a row, actually, to the First Division of Cyprus. Are you familiar with the nation of Cyprus at all, Person Noob? It's a small island country in the Mediterranean. It is beautiful. It is moderately near Greece. And uh, I think that we should definitely go. And I promise not to leave you there. That was awkward, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) The Cyprus First Division, the Cypriot one, uh, number 21 ranked in all of UEFA. They're about halfway through the season there. Uh, Two teams from there are going to get to go to the Champions League. And then they'll also send two to the uh, Tertiary International Club Tournament, the Europa Conference League. Uh, None of the teams, not even the Champions League ones, will actually get to start in the competition proper, the group stage. They will have to start uh, in some of the preceding qualifying rounds. Our matchup, I believe this is also the third week in a row. We specifically had this team involved. Two weeks ago, it was a number one versus second place. Then we had them in a a route of the week explanation on that later. And now it's another one versus uh, second place person. It's Paphos and notice that it is spelled P-A-F-O-S. They are in first place and they are taking on Apoel Nicosia. Paphos currently lead uh, Apoel by just one in the table. Uh, Apoel in turn lead number three, Aris Limassol, who was the, no- the second place team at the time two weeks ago. By just one point, series between these two, uh, Apoel, they're kind of the uh, standing power in this league. They've accrued a 10-5-6 and six record in recent seasons over Paphos, and they tied earlier this season when Apoel hosted at 1-1. One to one. And we'll talk about Paphos first. And I, I want your opinion on this person. So the club name is, now this is translated probably from, you know, Greek. It's, you know, English is not the primary language over there. Paphos, they spell the club in English, P-A-F. O-C. 
or OS rather, but the name of the town and region that they are from is Paphos. Looks like Paphos, which is really weird, but it's Paphos, P-A-P-H-O-S. Do you think that should be allowed for them to change it to an F to a P-H just because it's the club versus the region? No. No. What do you think their punishment should be for such shenanigans? Yes. <laughs> it's late and you're getting a little tired. You're very stoic and stark with your answers, aren't you? <laughs> I don't think she's going to make it all the way through the countdown duties tonight. We're recording somewhat late. Paphos, by the way, is a city in the southwest part of the country, about 60,000 people. It's 30 miles uh, west of the capital of Limassol. Big uh, resort tourism area. Fairly young club, by the way, founded in 2014, at least in its current iteration. It's uh, a merger of the city's two biggest clubs from that year. That are the two biggest ones from that city at the time. Uh, the crest is a really cool one. It features a historic figure, Evagoras Polycarides, uh, I think it's pronounced. In the late 50s, when they were still uh, rebelling against the British over there, he was the youngest of many who was executed. So he's become a symbol of eternal youth over there. So it's a, it's a really, really sad, sad thing. They caught him on a donkey carrying ammunition. They were against the rebellion, but you know, to execute somebody. I think he was just an old teenager. He may not have been, he may not have been that many years older than you person. Noob. Pretty crazy, huh? Mm -hmm. Immortalized on a soccer crest. Hey, it's better than nothing. Uh, twice this team has come up to uh, Division One. The last time was 2016-17 uh, that they got promoted from the second division. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, they've got the best offense in the league going, getting almost two and a quarter goals per match. And the defense is nearly as good. It's not a super high-scoring league, really, other than them and a couple other teams. They don't even give up a goal every other match on average. The number one score in this league by quite a bit so far, with nine on the season, is Brazilian player, Hyro. Uh, they picked him up from a big Croatian side called Hajduk Split. Not one of the very best ones over there, but they have been in the past. Uh, teams form, well, what can you say? They're undefeated, although are they fading just a little bit? Draws in their last two matches. And now EPOL. They play out of the capital city of uh, Nicosia. Uh, international body called the IFFHS ranks them as the number 64 team in the world. They are known as the Greeks, as we mentioned earlier, this is pretty close to Greece. This was actually founded as a club of Greeks uh, under the ideal or the idea of Enosis. Uh, basically, uh, the people who founded the club and were going to support the club are all are or were all of a political stance that they want the country or their region of at least to be incorporated directly into the nation of Greece. Pretty interesting geopolitics over there. As I said, this is your established uh, power over their 28 league titles, which is the most in the nation's history. Last one they won, 2018-2019. Uh, so they're looking to uh, get back to that title after a uh, just a slight slide in form the last couple, three years. 2011-2012, they were the first and still only Cypriot team to reach the Champions League quarterfinal. In fact, I think they're the only one that's ever even been to the group stage. This year, they got to participate in the Europa Conference League, and they made it uh, from the second qualifying round all the way to the playoff round, which is right before the event proper or group stage really starts. They lost to a Swedish team called uh, Gardens. 
Last year, they finished in third place. This year, it is the defense where they are shining. They've only given up four in 13 matches. Uh, They've really only got a a very average offense, even for this league. They're not even averaging one and a half per game. I think that they can win the title if they maintain that defense, but I think it'll be a very tight chase, even if so. They've only got the third best goal differential going right now. So this will be at least a three-team race for quite a while. Key player to look for, tied for second best in league scoring with five on the year is Marquinhos, another Brazilian. He plays right winger for them. Team's current form, well, they are unbeaten in their last 11, and they have won eight straight impressive matches. Match number B. No noob who did not miss here. Number B is, in fact, the phrase you heard. Join us in our quiet revolution to replace the icky phrase number ugh, two. It feels so dirty just rolling off the tongue. It's bathroom talk. We all know that. Replace it in your lives with number B. Listen to it in action right now. You'll see how effective it is. Match number B is another Friday match from the Super League in China, which is the 16th rated league now in the AFC. That's the Asian Football Confederation. That is down nine from the last time, less than a year ago, that they put these together. China were not number one, I don't think, but really darn close with, you know, maybe 18 months ago. And now things there have just fallen apart quality-wise. A lot of uh, economic things going on when it comes to real estate and sponsorships for the soccer teams and things of that ilk. Still, uh, currently they get one team into the Champions League group stage and two into the Champions League playoff round. That will probably be changing the following year. Those Getting to send three to the Champions League is certainly based on past and not uh, far more recent or current successes. There are about five matches left in the season for most of the clubs, so things are getting really dramatic for number one, Wuhan Three Towns, which I just find so fun to say. Wuhan Three Towns, not sure why. And they are playing host to number B, Shandong Taishan. Uh, Wuhan leads Shandong Taishan by three currently, but Shandong Taishan have a match in hand. So once they catch up on that, especially if it's against a weaker opponent, you can guess that effectively this is probably a tie. Uh, Shandong Taishan lead uh, Zhai Jiang professional by 10 points in the table. This is a two horse race. And uh, when they played earlier this season, they managed just a draw against Wuhan Three Towns at their own place, one to one. We'll talk about the hosts first, as we always do. Wuhan. That is the ninth biggest city in the country with about 11 million people. So the east central part of the country. It's known as the Chicago of China because all the railroads and transport that runs through it. And the name, uh, no real surprise here, uh, the Wuhan metro area is a conglomeration of formerly three separate towns. I really like the name. The club is a very young one, founded in 2016. And this is the only team in the league so far that has actually already earned a Champions League spot. The only question is whether they're going to win the league trophy and start in the group stage or not and have to start a little bit further back of the Champions League. And if you're not familiar with them, even if you follow Asian football a little bit, veteran footy fans, don't feel bad. Last year, this team finished in first place in the second division. Boy, wouldn't it be something if they were able to take the top flight title as well in their first go at it? They've got the number one offense in this league by a ton, getting over two and three quarters goals per match, a top three defense that gives up less than one goal per match. 
number one overall goal differential. They have not quite led from pillar to post, but they have been in number one uh, for most of the second half of the season here. Number one scorer for them, you'll never guess, he's from Brazil, as happens in so many leagues around the world, uh, with 24 that he has netted. That is Marcao, plays uh, center forward for them. Interestingly, he came here last year from now a team that's in last place in this league, which is uh, uh, Hebei, I think it's pronounced. They've also got the second best assist man in the league in Davidson, another singularly named player, also Brazilian, plays on the left wing. European footy fans might be familiar with him, uh, especially if you follow Turkey or uh, Portugal, as he has played for Alanya Spor, I believe more recently, and uh, Vitoria de uh, Guimarães over in Portugal. And they've got the second best overall player, I believe, statistically in the entire league, a Romanian central midfielder named Nicolas Stanciu. Uh, he's played for Slavia Prague, uh, Anderlecht, and FCSB uh, back home in Romania. He's got nine goals and 10 assists on the year. I don't know if he leads the whole league in goals plus assists, but I have a feeling if he doesn't that he's very, very close. Yet another key player for them, number one goalkeeper in the league, at least in terms of tw- uh clean sheets. He's got a dozen, and that is homegrown Dianzuo Liu, 32 years old. He made three national team appearances for China in the last three years. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five, looking strong. Shandong Taishan, do they have what it takes to knock the three towns back down? Uh, They play out of the city of Jinan in the Shandong province, about a little over 9 million people there. It's uh, also in the east central part of the country, but further north. The city is famous really for anything culturally. It might be that they're known as the City of Springs. They have an astounding 72 artesian uh, spring wells or spring sources there. Now, it's also a huge science research and a university city. Those are good things. Bad thing, the air quality rank makes this rank as one of the 10 most overall polluted cities in the world. Uh, This is a team that's existed all the way back since the 1950s, but they didn't turn pro until 1993. Uh, If the name doesn't sound familiar, once again, that's okay. But this time it's not because they haven't been in the top flight, but uh, the Chinese FA made all the teams drop their sponsorship names uh, for some reason. Uh, They used to have Lunang, uh, which is an electric company right in their name. That would might make it sound more familiar. This team has won the league title four times, and they are your defending champions. They won't give up the crown so easily. Champions League, they made the quarterfinals in 2005 and 2016, best they've ever done. This year, they uh, played in the uh, Champions League group stage, of course, uh, as the league champions. But they, like all the Chinese teams that were represented just uh, were absolutely awful. Uh, they finished in last place in their group. They only scored twice and gave up 24 goals. Just cartoonishly bad. In league play, they've got the second best offense by a lot. They're way behind the team with the number one offense, but nobody else is close to them. They're getting almost two and a half goals per game. They are the ones with the number one defense in the league. On the scoring end of things, they've got the second best score in the league, another Brazilian named Kryzan. He's got 21 on the year, plays center forward for them. He came over here from Santa Clara, which is having a pretty darn okay season in the Portuguese top flight, the Primeira Liga. 
the top-rated player in this league, and he's number one in assists, got 13 of those, is Moises Lima, yet another Brazilian. That might be our theme for the show. Who knows? Uh, Play central midfielder then. He came over from Palmyras, uh, one of the truly great teams over in Brazil. European footy fans might be a little bit hard to uh, press to remember him. He played for a decent club over in uh, Croatia called Rijeka. They've got the second-best goalkeeper in the league going with 11 clean sheets in Dile Wang. He's been here since 2013. He's got at least 26 national team appearances, but some of my source material was a little unclear on just how many more. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. Match number three. This is the second week in a row that we are just absolutely full to the brim with Friday matches that are outstanding. Our third one comes from right back here in the United States, Donald Trump. Puerto Rico's Liga PR, the top flight there. It is the Apertura or opening of the two stages in their soccer year for 2022-23. They're getting ready to play the second leg of a home and away two-legged tie between number one Metropolitan and second place finishers from the regular season, Puerto Rico Seoul. Uh, according to Kick Algorithms, the site that I really like, they are rated as the 12th best league in all of CONCACAF, our home region. It appears that only five teams participated in this league, according to one source I found, and then the top four make the playoffs. Another one said there were supposed to be as many as 13. So if if there are shenanigans going on there, I don't know what. I hope that they get that solved out. So to that end, we're actually not going to do a mini preview for this particular show. I feel it's enough. I've done my service to their league and these teams by telling you simply that they exist and what they're doing. But right now, I want to be selfish. I want to be greedy and learn how to gamble on it. And for that, we cheat. We turn to our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, who I'm sure will hopefully have another drug-aided or drug-addled vision for us to help us know how to bet. Take it away, please, almighty soothsayer. You are king of bodies, getting cold in the rain. You do not into yoga. If you have half a brain, you like making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape. Then the love you looked for, right to me, and escape. Match number four. I was. That was very cool, but ultimately very confusing in the purpose. Oh, well, I guess nine pina coladas will do that. Our match number four is going to keep us right here in the Caribbean region, and it's going to set a record for us. I don't think we've ever had four Friday matches before. Let's head to Cuba. Their top flight is the Primera División, and they are having their grand final. The winners of their two stages, the Apertura and Clausura, for their 2022 season are going to play for the overall league title. Now, this is one that I don't know how they compare to other leagues. Uh, Kick Algorithms, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't even bother to rank them. That doesn't mean they're the worst than the teams that they do rank, just that they probably don't get enough international play, even friendlies, to make a meaningful sort of uh, prediction or ranking about. In any case, we're going to be looking at Artemisa, and they are taking on Santiago de Cuba. Now, this is the second leg of another home and away two-legged tie. Santiago de Cuba, they won the first one 1-0. When they played in the regular season, the home teams really had the best of it. Uh, 
Artemisa, they won 3-0 the last time they hosted, and Santiago won 5-0 in a real thrashing when they got to do it at their place. Artemisa is certainly hoping that that trend will continue. This is a club that was founded in 2011. They play in a stadium called the Estadio de uh, Guanaje, capacity of about 3,000 people. Uh, the name of the city is Guanaje in the Artemisa region or state. Uh, they have about... It's about 30 miles southwest of Havana, if you're familiar, familiar with the country at all. City of about 30,000, real big agricultural area, classic stuff for that area, sugarcane and tobacco. In colonial times, this place played a special role. It was where fresh Spanish troops always arrived nearly. And then in turn, it also became a health resort for uh, troops that had gotten sick or injured or were simply waiting to uh, go back home after their tours of duty, I suppose. Artemisa won the Clausura, or second stage, by one point over Santiago regular season. They did so with the third best offense of the league, getting over uh, just over two goals per match. Exactly one goal per match is what they gave up, and that was top three as well. Very well balanced. Team's current form, well, that leg one loss that they suffered snapped a five-match winning streak. And now Santiago, they are known as the Red Devils. They play, of course, out of the city of Santiago. That is the second biggest one in the country. A little bit under a million people there. It's in the southeast part of the country. Got a lot of Haitian immigrants here. And so there's a lot of uh, Santeria still observed and Vudan uh, practices are still committed to here. Uh, it's always been that way historically and still is to a large degree today, at least compared to other parts of the country. Back not too long ago when the league was called the Campeonato Nacional, they won it three different times, uh, all three titles between 2017 and 19. They won the opening or Apertura stage this year uh, by two points over Artemisa. And then there were two groups of eight and they won their group, uh, which was group B, by 10 points over a team called uh, Camague. Hope I'm getting that pronunciation right. Uh, they're a little bit better statistically. They've got the second best offense going in well over two goals per match. Number one defense giving up just over a goal every other match on average. Best goal differential by over 50%. But they're playing on the road with only a one goal lead to contribute to the aggregate score. So this is going to be a really interesting final. I'm hoping I can find a streaming service for it. Team's current form, they have won three straight. The very impressive eight against nil goal differential over that short stretch. Match number five. And now we flip the weekly calendar to Saturday for our fifth match. And we're finally going to cover one from the World Cup, which is Risha's quarterfinals. The most intriguing matchup to us looked like England versus France. I think that would be a hard one for anybody to really argue too hard against. You can catch it on Fox or Telemundo, 2 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S. In their recent series, France has a 2-1-1 and lead. England Talking about them first, they are known as the Three Lions. Boo. Well, at least we made it almost uh, a halfway through the main portion of the podcast without running in any lions. So overdone. So cliche. Let's be original people. This is the fifth ranked team worldwide by FIFA. It is the third best by those same rankings of the UEFA teams that actually uh, made the World Cup. They've only won the World Cup title once before, and that was all the way back in 1966. Uh, the best they've done here in the 2000s in 2018, the last iteration, obviously, they finished in fourth place. Oddly enough, they've also never won the European Championships. I just couldn't. The second time I've run into that within the last month and that that little fact, which still blows my mind. Uh, in 2020, the last version of that, they finished in second place, and that's the best they've ever done. 
in qualifying for the World Cup in their group stage of six. They won by six points over second-best Poland, 39-3 in three and 10 matches. They were really on fire. Event scoring leader, their international superstar, Harry Kane, netted 12. Then he plays striker uh, for the team, as well as for the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur team, at least dreaded by us here. Uh, he trails all-time uh, national team scoring leader, Wayne Rooney, by just one Goal. I believe he's got 52 now. Just incredible. In the group stage for qualifier, no, not for the qualifying for here. They went 2-1-0 with a 9-2 goal differential, and they won the group by two over, of course, USA. To advance to this round, in the round of 16, they defeated Senegal, one of the great teams from Africa, 3-0. Tied for second best at events scoring with three, Marcus Rashford, who plays forward for them. He's been with Man United uh, since he was a youth, all the way back in 2005. 50 national team caps for him. Congrats on the nice round number. Doesn't really play like a true nine. He likes to be creative, move around a lot. He's not somebody to stand there and be a target, get the ball, hold up play. He likes to start his runs from very deep, almost like a maybe not a winger, but an attacking midfielder. Also with four goals, and probably their best player, in my opinion, is Bukayo Saka, their winger, just 21 years old, incredibly. He came up with and still plays for Arsenal, the rival for Tottenham, so I like him a whole lot better. No, I'm not biased at all. 23 national team caps for him since 2020. Team's current form, boy, they had to have been really happy with that uh, group stage because they came in uh, to this event Oh, three and three in their uh, in their six matches from the Nations League tournament. They were just not in good form at all, it seemed. And now the French, number four ranked by FIFA, uh, number B of all the UEFA teams here that are qualified. Two World Cup titles to their credit. They are your defending champions and won the very last one of the 20th century. Two European titles as well. They won the Euros in 2000 last. 2020, they finished in the round of 16, their most recent effort. They won their qualification group to get into this event by six points over Ukraine with an 18-3 goal differential. So not quite as impressive an offense as England's, but that defense, every bit as good. On the event scoring leaderboard with six is Antonio Griezmann. He plays forward for Atletico Madrid. He can play uh, deeper positions other than just forward as well. So who knows where he'll end up getting started. They might try to surprise the English. He's excellent in the air despite being just five foot nine. And as somebody who's a little bit on the vertically challenged side of things, yeah, and water's a little bit wet. I'm five foot six. I love seeing guys like that who can really get up in the air. I myself am rather earthbound. In the group stage, they went 2-0-1 and won their group by four on goal differential was all. They were tied on points with Australia, who had a very good tournament. Uh, six and three on the goal differential for that. They defeated Poland in the round of 16. That was the least of the teams, the lowest seeded of all the ones that got in from UEFA, but still nearly a top 25 team in the world. Tied for number two in events scoring with three. Uh, Olivier Giroud, striker, 36 years old. Right now he plays for AC Milan, but he spent the heart of his career with Arsenal in the Premier League. Well over 100 national team caps, lots of experience with this team. And in fact, he just passed Thierry Henry for all-time scoring leader 
for the French national team. He has 52, just like I believe Harry Kane. And their goalkeeper, uh, Hugo Lloris, he's about to pass Lillian Thurum for all-time appearances or caps leader with 142 right now. Just an incredible stretch and career. He has been with Tottenham since 2012. We'll try not to disparage him overly for that. Team's current form, 1-2-3 and three was their record at the Nations League. So they didn't come in in their strongest form either. But both of them are peaking at certainly the right time. My, my little kittens, have you lost your mittens? Or do you just want a recap of last week's matches? Because I can help with the latter. Match number one was a Friday match from the World Cup group stage where number B, Ghana, had taken on number four, Uruguay. And Uruguay came out on top, nil two. Uh, Luis Suarez had an assist match. Number B also from Friday, Uganda's Premier League. Number one league leaders, Wakiso Giants, visited number B, BUL. Home team came out on top, 2-1 in that one. Match number three, Indonesia's League One, also a Friday match. Number five, Bali United was slated to play number three, PSM Makassar, but that match was postponed. Saturday match number four, we traveled once again to the World Cup this time. The group stage had ended, and we were in the round of 16, USA versus Netherlands. Sadly for us here stateside, it was the Netherlands who came out on top, 1-3. Memphis came out on top with the opening goal for Netherlands. Match number five from Germany's Frauen Bundesliga, the ladies' number one VFL Wolfsburg played host to number B Eintracht Frankfurt, and it was a whooping. Wolfsburg maintained their uh, perfect record against them in recent years. They won five to nil. Uh, Eva Pior had a goal for them. Unfortunately for Frankfurt, they now dip down to number three. Match number six from Cambodia's Sleely. Number three, Sve Rieng, took on number B, Visaka, in the last match weekend of the season. Visaka came out on top nil one, but that wouldn't be enough. Phnom Penh crown. They also won their last match. They had an easy one, to be honest, and therefore won the league title. Congratulations to them. Tuesday match number seven, the World Cup. One more time, round of 16, Morocco versus Spain. And we had an upset. And I'm proud to say we kind of called a hero. At the very least, I said this is a match that Morocco wanted. This was not a good uh, thing for Spain, not having any true superstars, in my opinion, across the field. I felt like Morocco wasn't going to give up too much of any one position. Uh, the regular time ended at 1-1, as well as the extra times. And then Morocco won 3-0 on penalty kicks. Match number eight, England's FA Cup, the second round proper. We had a replay between Gillingham and Dagen him and Dagenham and Redbridge, our new adoptees, and just like that, our adoptees are out. Gillingham take out on came out on top three to two in a really good race. Wednesday match number nine from the UEFA Champions League group stage for the ladies. Number one Arsenal took on number B in the group Juventus. The result was a one 0 win for Arsenal. That knocked Juve down to three. Galway's had to look for Steina Blackstenia. She had an assist in the game. Match number ten Thursday from Italy's Serie A B, the second division. Number B. Regina took on number one at Frozenone, and it was the road team that came to town meeting business. They won nil three. Frozenone, uh, 
for them, Samuele Molatieri, a guy we said to look for as a possible man in the match. He hit the first and therefore game-winning goal. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later on in the podcast when we do it again. The route of the week was a Saturday match from Cyprus's first division, number one, Paphos, and number 14, last place, Olympiacos, Nicosia. They actually played to a 1-1 draw. Congratulations, Olympiacos. That's a nice little point to get. Uh, for Paphos, their league leader in scoring, Jairo had a goal. Meanwhile, Olympiacos, they moved up to number 13. The most meaningless match in the world was a Saturday match from Lesotho's Premier League. Number 7, uh, Machoka took on number 5, Lejabatho. And it was Lejabatho getting a 0-1 win. That knocked Machoka down to number 8. Didn't do anything directly in the table for Lejabatho, though. And then your match of disappointing Sunday from Azure by John's Premier League. Number 9, Kapatz, took on number 10. And last place, Soon Kayet. And it was Soon Kayet, I believe, getting their first win of the season. Congratulations on the nil one win. You're still disappointed in, and you're still getting relegated. Face facts. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. With Friday being so heavy, I guess that explains why Saturday was so light. We're already on to Sunday for our sixth match. We're headed to the women's side of the ball. The French Division 1 Feminine, which is the number one ranked league in all of Europe. And so they get to max out on Champions League berths. One to the group stage and then two to get started the qualifying rounds. We're about halfway through the season. This is number one, Lyon, taking on number B, PSG. And I believe this is their first meeting of the regular season. These are the only two undefeated teams left in the league. Here's how the table looks. Lyon currently lead PSG by two. And it's a two-horse race. PSG, the number three Paris FC by eight. And I would bet you dollars to donuts, Paris FC is not going to get a, a sniff of the title race. There's not a lot of parity in a lot of the women's leagues. Series between these two in recent seasons, Lyon has accrued a 9-4-2 and two record as they are your established power, as you will soon learn in a little bit more detail. First, just a touch of uh, information about the city of Lyon. I didn't realize it was this big. It's the second biggest metro area and third biggest city in all of France, 600,000 into the city proper, uh, kind of flirting with 200 million-ish when it comes to the greater overall metro. It's in the east central part of the country, kind of northwest of the French Alps, uh, as far as like their economy. For example, lots of high-tech industry, especially medical stuff. Very high uh, standard of living there. 15 league titles they have won, and they are your defending champions. In fact, the 2020-2021 season was the only year since 2006 that they did not win the league. And I'll bet you can guess who won it that year. This year in the Champions League, they're in third place in their group in the ongoing group stage. At the time I scouted it, I have a feeling they'll have moved up to second. Eight Champions League titles they have won, in fact, and that is the most in European history. 2020-2021, once again, that was the only year in the last seven that they didn't win the title. In fact, uh, risen power, I was going to say rising, but it's past tense now. Barcelona, they're another one of the world greats now, and they won the title that year. In league play, they've got the best offense going, starting to flirt with three goals per match, uh, tied for number one on defense, have only given up six in the 10 matches so far. On the scoring leaderboard, we find American Lindsay Horan. She's a central midfielder them. She's netted four already. She's on loan from Portland, which is kind of interesting because it's the other team in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> formerly called the Seattle Rain, now O.L. Rain, that is the one that actually the owners of Olympic Lyon uh, the men's and women's club actually now own the team in Seattle. Anyway, 
Again, she's on here on loan from Portland, and she was with PSG, actually, before that. So she's got some familiarity with their opponents. She's gotten over 100 national team caps to her credit here in the U.S. Also on the scoring leaderboard, same number of goals, Wendy Renard, center back. Yeah, I'm used to, if I'm seeing a defensive player getting a lot of goals, I'm used to seeing it be like a right back or a left back, somebody who sneaks up and plays as a winger, but not from the center position. That's just incredible. She's been here her entire career since 2007, almost 100 national team caps for her as well. And we have another USA connection, a midfielder named Katerina Macario. She's actually born in Brazil, but she and her family moved to the U.S. at uh, when she was about 12 years old. She's made 17 national team appearances so far. Uh, she played at Stanford for three years, and then she uh, started her career, pro career rather, last year right here. Team's current form. They've won four straight matches, and uh, the only they only conceded any goals at all against number three Paris FC over that stretch. And now PSG, not an official nickname from what I understand, but they have a mascot that is a lynx. So much better than a lion. PSG, I love you for it. Uh, German the lynx is the name of the mascot. 2020-21, the only league title that I won, as I'm sure you guessed from the other half of this preview. Uh, the club really only uh, was any better than a mid-table club in their history when they got new ownership. Somebody from the Middle East, I want to say Kuwait, take that with a grain of salt, took over in 2010, and they've done much better since then. They're also currently playing in the Champions League and are in second place in their group. In league play, they have the second best offense, uh, getting well over two goals per match. They're the other team that's tied for number one on defense. Number one league score. Oh, I should have practiced this one. Kadidia Tau Diana. She plays right winger for them. 73 national team appearances. And then a much easier one for me to uh, not so much fumble my way through. Tied for number one in assist in the league with four is Sandy Baltimore. Uh, 19 national team appearances for her since 2020. She's been here her whole admittedly young career since 2016. They've also got the second best goalkeeper in the league going, in my opinion. She's got four clean sheets, and that is uh, Sarah Buhadi. She spent part of last year on loan with Seattle, which is interesting again, because it is Lyon that owns the Seattle team. So things are really, there's a lot of ties between the Pacific Northwest and France, it seems like. And she's got almost 150 national team caps uh, going through her through 2020. I don't think she's playing with the national team now. Team's current form, four straight wins, and they didn't concede a single goal over that stretch. Match number seven. Wrapping up our weekend coverage, we head over to Africa, to the Premier League of Libya. This was sort of the last match that made our cut for the final 10. It is the 10th ranked league uh, within the African Football Confederation. And so because they're the top 12, they get to send two teams instead of just one to the Champions League. Here we'll get into a little bit of the reason why they almost didn't make our cut. Uh, the league is actually two groups of 10. It's a very, very big one. By the way, the top three from each of those two groups will make the league playoffs. It's very early in their season. The matchup from uh, group number B is number one, Al-Idihad, versus number B, Abu Salim. But they, uh, Abu Salim is not necessarily the second best team in the entire league. So it was sort of a borderline one for us, a little bit of how the sausage gets made. Kind of fun. Uh, Idihad is your uh, number one team overall. Abu Salim are tied for second place overall uh, with the group one leaders, Al-Nasser. Idihad lead Abu Salim by six, and they have a perfect record going. Abu Salim, they lead number three, Al-Ali Tripoli, by 
two. And yet that's all you are going to get out of Team Noob for this particular match because we're getting about to that time of show where Noob gets a little bit hungry. We take what we call affectionately a culture break, but really it's a food break most of the time. We end up looking at a recipe and today will be no different. We're going to look at a Libyan recipe. Now, the north of Libya and the south of Libya have two very, very different sets of influences. This is a small enough country that there's a lot of crossover, but you get a lot more Italian influence in the north. And that's where Tripoli is, and that is where this match is going to be played. If memory serves, both teams are from there. All over Northern Africa, you'll find different versions of this, and it's called Rishta, or Rishta, and it is a spaghetti-like dish with just an absolutely exquisite-sounding flavor. Uh, In Libya specifically, it's a popular pasta dish with very thin noodles, and they're based in bathed rather in busla, which in Libya is their version of a very onion-rich sauce. Just sounds and looks delightful. I can almost smell it coming off the page when I was doing my research. Now, a couple of notes before we get into the uh, recipe proper. Uh, This meal is going to require fava beans, and you're going to want to soak them and chickpeas in cold water for at least two hours before cooking. Easiest thing to do is probably just to let them soak overnight, to be perfectly honest. Uh, This is very, very popular uh, with uh, people of the Berber culture. That's where this uh, largely comes from. And they tend to use very, very dry meat. I believe it's usually a lamb. It's called gedid. And it's salted and dried. And that kind of gives it a little bit of an almost smoky flavor that you might find in other traditional dishes in other areas that use beef or chicken and even bullion cleaves and stuff like that. Really hope you're going to like this one. A quick rundown of the ingredients. The pasta, no real big mysteries here. You're going to use white flour, egg, uh, some salt, obviously water. Then the base sauce to cook your meat. Um, you're going to want lamb meat for this to do in the traditional Libyan way. Uh, never pork, obviously. You can use beef or chicken sometimes, but you know this is Northern Africa. Pork is going to be a no-no for obvious reasons. You need to be you know, onion for that busla. Uh, tomato paste, a little bit of black pepper, turmeric, red chili powder, one of my favorites. Ginger, not really one of my favorites, but probably pretty good in an oleo like this. Uh, cinnamon, and you're going to be using a lot of water to boil this bad boy in. And then for the actual uh, busla or onion sauce, uh, you want four or five uh, medium-sized onions, and you're going to cut those into thin wing-like shapes. Uh, this is where you're going to use your chickpeas, and you've got your ground cloves, and then uh, more sticks and ground cinnamon. So mix the flour with the egg and salt, and uh, add until you add water gradually until you get a dough that's actually really, really hard. You're going to get a bit of a workout with this. You knead that dough, and then on a clean surface, sprinkle corn flour under and over the door. I love corn flour versus wheat flour. And roll out. If you've got a pasta machine, cut it into strips and you're going to put it through twice. The second time is when you're going to get things really thinned out so you get more of that angel angel hair pasta look and texture. Put your onions, spices, tomato paste, and oil at the bottom of that uh, of your, hopefully you have one, a, a double-chambered pot. And that's the way it's hyphenated. You want to say a double-chambered pot. That would be something very, very weird and very, very different. But basically, it's a double-broiler bowl. You've got a lid, a basket, and a bowl underneath. Put, so you're going to put those things I mentioned in there. Stir and add the meat until it's cooked. Cook the chickpeas, slice the onions, into rings and add them to the sauce. Then you're going to take the whole thing, the rishta, and cook it uncovered for about 15 minutes. Then take it down, 
pour the rishta into a bowl. And the purpose for that is so, because the uh, noodles should come out more on top and you want to fluff those or separate those to make sure they're not clumping. That's both for texture when you're eating it and quite frankly, to make sure it's all going to cook evenly. Then you put it back in your uh, couscousier and cook again until uh, it's truly fully cooked. That'll take about another 20 minutes. Also, you're gonna wanna add potatoes and pumpkin to the sauce. Put those in the bottom part of that double chambered pot. Then take off the rishta, pour it into a wide bowl. Uh, you could do it in a communal bowl if you wanna be really traditional or separate plates. Pour the sauce over the noodles and then add the meat and potatoes and pumpkin right in with the dish, not on the side. I, uh, I'm i hoping to maybe start doing it. My wife normally doesn't let me in the kitchen, but I'd really like to try out one of these recipes for myself every week. And I hope that you will join me in wanting to try this one. It just sounds delicious. Match number eight. After a phenomenal weekend of footy tracking like that, you deserve a day off. You shall have it on Monday. Tuesday, we're right back at it, and back to Europe we go. Our eighth match is from the Football League of Gibraltar. Yes, we're going microstate. It's the number 51 ranked league in all of UEFA. Just, a, I believe, only four are ranked lower. What do you expect? I mean, the country's only got like 30,000 people. Like most of Western Europe, they are close to halfway through their season. The champion gets to go to the Champions League, and they get to send their next three finishers all to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup, hey, it's top of the table. We go for high stakes anywhere, micro state or not. Number B, Europa, playing host to number one, and your uh, long-standing behemoth in this league, Lincoln Red Imps. The Imps currently lead by one on goal differential is all. Uh, they both lead number three, Bruno's Magpies by six. Only These are the only two undefeated teams left, by the way, and these are going to be the only two that I think realistically compete for the title. Europa, they are known as the Green Machine. Their crest is really, really interesting. It starts off with kind of traditional shields, uh, shield shape. Kind of hard to say there, got to be careful. Uh, but the crest has a circular notch sort of in the viewer's left-hand side. I imagine that's maybe the type of uh, thing like you, you might have seen in Troy, the Brad Pitt movie, where the, the spear has a notch on the side that it can uh, you know be stabbed through without the you know, the wielder having to uh, risk uncovering their own head. And then it's also got two rectangular notches on the top, which were a little bit more odd to me. It looks like you could hang it up in a, you know, hang it up in a uh, pharmacy or something. Very odd. Anyway, they've won seven league titles, most recently 2016-17. That was the first time they'd done it since all the way back in the early 50s. This year, they did get to play an international competition, had to start all the way back in the first qualifying round of the Europa Conference League, and they lost to Faroese team Vikinger. They've actually been to the Europa League second qualifying round twice, so not a completely inexperienced team. This is the closest thing that they have to any real competition, the Imps, year in and year out. They finished in second place to the Imps last year. They've got the second best offense going in the league, getting almost three per match, and actually the best defense. Only three goals given up in their eight matches so far. Team's current form, well, they opened the season with a 1-1 draw at home to Bruno's Magpies, and I believe they've won everything since. And now Lincoln. Uh, this team was actually founded as the Blue Batons. They had some police affiliation at the time. One of the two founders was actually friends with a former uh, English football league manager and one time Lincoln resident. And uh, the Lincoln's city emblem is an imp, 
which is, uh, it comes from something called a grotesque as a noun, not an adjective, which is some kind of a statue, but set into directly into and is part of a cathedral wall. And uh, the mythology behind it is, or the tradition is that this imp was sent by Satan and then turned to stone by an angel. So really cool for Incan for Lincoln and then something really fun for uh, the Lincoln red imps to have borrowed from them. Uh, this team has some claim to fame all over Europe from 2009 to 14. They set a UEFA record with an 88 match unbeaten streak. They've won the league title 26 times. They're your defending champions. Uh, their international history isn't quite as rich in large part, well, actually entirely because they weren't allowed to play internationally in, in competitions until they were allowed to be full UEFA members which didn't happen until 2013. I think Spain had a lot to do with that. They still make a claim there. This year, they lost in the Champions League first qualifying round to North Macedonia team Scoopy, one of my favorite teams to say. They made the second qualifying round last year, and that's tied for the best that they've ever done in the CL. And then this year, they went on to drop down to the Europa Conference League after that second qualifying round. Now, last year, they made uh, the Europa Conference League group stage, and they even scored twice. And that's the first time any team from this country has made a group stage or made a competition proper in Europe. So I'm really glad they added this tertiary competition a couple, three years ago. In league play, the defense is very, very good, but a lot of the league is as well. But they've got the number one offense going. That's what sets them apart. They get three and a quarter goals per match on average. Team's current form, they have won six in a row. Daughter dearest, we have needed your wisdom. Thank you for agreeing to do another. Questions will be answered today. Segment. Very good. You've all, we've always got the ellipses on there, so that's a good job. You were the one that came up with that originally. And questions will be answered today. And uh, thank you to the people on Twitter who decided to answer. It was actually only one, but the World Cup's been going on. We understand. Uh, but we did get a whole bunch of questions from our friend uh, Franco. That's uh, Frank O-X-X-I underscore on Twitter. Thank you so much for all the questions that you have for Person Noob. I hope that her knowledge, her wisdom um, her uh, that, you know, is enlightening for you, what she's about to share. So are you ready, Person Noob? Yeah. All right. First, I'll actually share a question from uh, one of our staffers, Dan the Interno, Inferno. Okay. He would like to know what is your favorite number between one and a hundred? Forty-seven. Okay, that was very specific. Why that particular number? Because your favorite number is four. I do like to answer questions with the number four very, very quickly, no matter how realistic. That is as an answer, because someday I'll be right, and I'll look really intelligent for answering so fast. Now, uh, what about the other half of it, the seven? My old favorite number was seven. And also, one to me answered four, and it was correct. Now, why 47 instead of 74? Because 47 just sounds cooler. Okay, so we're going for the aesthetic value. That's reasonable. Yeah. All right, second question from Mr. Franco. He would like a World Cup final prediction. And notice that he's not actually asking Noobstradamus, who has a pretty poor record when it comes to that. He's asking you. Who do you think is going to be in the final, and what do you think the score is going to be? Argentina and Portugal. Wow, very quickly come up with. I know you've been watching some of the game action with me. Do you have any reason for those two particular teams? Nope. 
<laughs> just like the sound of them, or you remember mm-hmm. watching one or both of them play? I like the sound of them. Like the sound of them. Well, Argentina is uh, one of the two big, big entries from South America. Portugal is sort of a, a dark horse candidate, I would say. Do you know what that means? No. It means it wouldn't be unrealistic for them to win, but they would be kind of a minor upset uh, candidate. It's not one that people would like bet a lot of money on to win necessarily. There are several teams that are probably more likely, but it's hardly impossible from Portugal. They're very good. And you guessed the score was going to be? Seven to three. Holy smokes. Uh, Obviously, having just heard that, I haven't looked it up, but I've got to believe that would be the highest scoring uh, World Cup match ever. Uh, Their their superstar, uh, Lionel Messi, one of the greatest uh, players of his or perhaps any generation for Argentina, how many goals do you figure he'll get out of those seven? I don't know. But also... If not seven to three, then like one to four. Mm. One to four in favor of Portugal or still in favor of Argentina? Argentina will get four. Okay, so it'll either be four to one or seven to three. Well, you heard it here first, and I don't know where else you would possibly get those scores except for my daughter. So she's right. She's going to look like one of the greatest soccer geniuses of all time. We'll have to come up with a different name for you then. Well, no, you can still be person noob, but we would have to maybe give you a secondary meaning of like soccer pro. And I would remain soccer noob, as I probably will forever. Okay. Franco would also like to know, which Ernest movie is the best, and why is it Ernest, Scared Stupid? What's an Ernest movie? Yes. Now, I'm going to get uh, lambasted here by Franco and perhaps others. I have not made this part of her cinematic uh, education yet, watching any of the Ernest movies. And I'll be honest, it's so they're from so long ago that while I am – I feel certain that I have watched the original, I believe, uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. I'm not sure I've seen any of the other ones all the way straight through. I've seen them in pieces. But I don't know if you were paying attention to I was doing a little looking around on uh, IMDb before we uh, started recording just now. And I watched about a 90-second trailer for Ernest Scared Stupid. And he's dealing with trolls that I think he has awakened. And their costumes looked pretty silly. Did you happen to see them? Well, I think in his very uh, uh, southern accent, he called one of them something like booger lips. Is that, or booger lip might have been singular. Would that be enough of a reason for you to consider watching it and maybe making it a favorite? No. (laughs) I'd ask you to elaborate, but you just kind of got a sad shake of your head. Like, what on earth was Hollywood making when you were a kid? That's probably about 15, I think, when the first one came out. What movies do you like? Lots of movies. What's your favorite, would you say? Is it still Encanto? No. The older you get, the more it changes. It used to be Frozen, and then it was Encanto for a while. Frozen 2. Frozen is okay-ish, but... Frozen 2 is better. Frozen 2 is the better one? Well, it was, made for, it was made for an older audience, for older kids. You grew up with it, and they made it you know, for a bigger kid mm. instead of a little, littler kid. Should they make Frozen scared stupid and have trolls called no. Boogerlip? No. Maybe. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's move on to the next question. Best TV show ever, and he would like us specifically both to answer, would you care to go first? 
I think I know what she'll say, but I'm not 100%. Guess. I think you're going to say My Hero Academia. That's an anime. But I yeah, well, an anime can be a TV show too, can it? Yeah, it probably can. So is that your favorite, or you think you're going to go with something else? Or maybe The Thundermans? I do like The Thundermans. Yeah, you've watched that series at least four times straight through, if memory serves. Six and a half, actually. <laughs> We're still keeping track. Would it be fair to say that just based on uh, the repetitive nature of your uh, binging and re-binging that that's your favorite, or do you want to go yeah. with your anime favorite? The Thundermans. The Thundermans it is. I, I've enjoyed aspects of that show as well. It it seems to have no problem knowing exactly what it is, which is in, incredibly cheesy and yet somewhat heartwarming once in a while. I had to think about this long and hard, and I'm going to show my age here a little bit. Uh He's a I, under, I understand when it comes to Seinfeld and I am not hard pressed to argue. I would be hard pressed to argue against it. My personal opinion, I think both for the quality and for the impact, I think you have to go with MASH, which may not be a show you're familiar with, Person Noob. Uh, Korean uh, show that was made about the Korean War back in like the, I believe they made it in the 70s and some of the 80s. And then I was putting that up in my mind against a movie called Cheers with uh, actors that you wouldn't know that all took place in a bar, but it was very dramatic and funny. And it turns out that the guy with the most beautiful hair in the world, Tim Dance, and it turns out was wearing a wig his entire career. <laughs> I know. Ooh. You don't know who Ted Danson is, do you? No. No, but that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 All right. So I think we've got that one covered. Yeah, I like MASH. I've, I've binged and re-binged that. All right. Person Noob, if you could get only one dessert forever, and we need you to be specific, what dessert would you choose? Hmm. M&M cookies. Ooh, very, very specific and very, very tasty sounding. I have to be honest, I'm a little surprised you didn't say M&M Blizzard because that, that is a regular, that's your, that's your regular favorite when we hit the, when we hit the DQ. Mm-hmm. But you're going with the M&M cookies instead. Yep. If it were summertime, would you be more inclined, the temperature were warmer, do you think you would be more inclined to say M&M Blizzard? Maybe. And also right now, I really want a brownie for some odd reason. A brownie? Oh, well, I mean, you can only you can only pick one, and I don't have a brownie to give you. But I want a brownie. I cannot manifest a brownie, child. You must get me a brownie. I do not wield this power. If I could manifest brownies brownie. out of out of the ether, do you think that I would be doing a podcast that doesn't have any spo- official paying sponsors yet? I don't know how to This episode it. is brought to you by Dairy Queen's M&M Blizzard. M&M Blizzards, we pay for them. They're not paying us a darn thing. No, it's called Subway Sandwiches. What is it with you and Subway whenever the idea Subway. of sponsors come up? It's Subway. You've been watching the show Community. <laughs> they named a character on that show Subway for one episode. Go on down to Subway and buy yourself a sandwich. When you've had a long, hard day at school, Abby, what is your drink of choice? Uh, Franco offers up the options like apple juice on the rocks. Or milk on the rocks as examples, but then he says, "JK, milk with ice is weird." It is. It really is. So, what's your what's your go to wind down beverage? 
I like me some root beer. That's right. Root beer has been a favorite for you, really, uh, Ben. And you don't even mind if it's flat, do you? Now, of the kinds you've had, I know you've had IBC, which I believe is still made in St. Louis. You've had, uh, I don't think you've had Fitzy's. That's very frothy. But A&W. And you've had Barks, which is the one with Bite, of course. In the mugs. Yeah, in the mugs. Do you have a favorite? No. No? Hmm. I figured you'd either say A&W in the frosty mug or go totally the other way for kind of the the texture of viscosity and go with Barks. So that's surprising that you don't quite have a favorite. What is your dream toy for Christmas this year? And he would like an answer from us both. I will once again, since it's your segment, defer to you first. This might be really weird. And it's just some, uh, it's not what I most know because I don't really know what that is. But right now, if they could invent a toy that was a villager from Minecraft, that had a button, and you could make it go, hmm, I can't do a good impression, hmm, or something, or whatever yeah. villagers do. It's a random villager or multiple random villagers that if you approach them and they're thinking, they just go, hmm, hmm. which I guess is the sound that means they're thinking. Hmm. No, that's just the sound that they make. And they just It's a weird sound name. When you first said a villager Herm, I actually thought you meant that there was a villager named Herman in the in the game. Oop but it's just a sound. <laughs> That's pretty funny, Herman. That's not that weird name. Um, Villager could be named Herman and be going Herm. Maybe I that's why, maybe he's introducing himself. I don't think that you've ever seen or heard a Villager while playing Minecraft, so I'm not Herm. Am I he, getting close? Yeah. He used to play Minecraft. I played Minecraft very, very briefly with you, yeah. So I think that would be a great toy for them to invent. Sort of like a Tickle Me Elmo, but with a string or a button to push, and the only... Mm-hmm noise he would make would be hmm Herm. that's really cool i had yeah. i had something that i was actually thinking about three or four days ago but i suddenly am just drawing an absolute uh blank on what it would be i suppose i could probably use a new uh, it's not really a toy but i could use a new uh, uh chess clock but we use them for Scrabble because I play, or I used to play before COVID. I played tournament Scrabble around the country for a long time. And you play it using a chess clock. So that is the nerdy toy that I would like. And you know what? It appears that that was our last uh, question from uh, from Franco. So I'm so glad. Again, Franco, thank you for uh, offering up all those so that we didn't have to do more research and do a stolen mailbag segment where we uh, where we troll through Twitter looking for uh, questions that were done for much bigger programs and then answer them mm-hmm. ourselves and tag them in the tweets that say what we're doing so that they're forced to deal with us in some way, shape, or form. Right? E. <laughs> hmm. E. Herm. E. <laughs> what is E? E. Villagers don't say E. 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 Match number nine. Onward into Wednesday and to Asia we go, specifically Iraq's Premier League, which in Asia is ranked number 15 of all the leagues. Now, normally, the league is to send its champion to the Champions League, as do all the teams in roughly the top 40% of Asia. The runners-up go to the secondary Asian tournament, the AFC Cup. That's where a lot of the smaller countries send their champions. But there is no guarantee this year that anybody from the league is going to be going on in an international play. They're going to have to each face the winner or runner-up 
from last year's league play to determine who gets to go to the next Asian events. This is due to uh, changes in the timing of the uh, Iraqi League and or the Asian Champions League. Uh, Suffice it to say that the Iraqi League will have finished twice within one AFC Champions League qualification period. So it's making a little bit of a headache for them. Not a big deal. This is going to be a great matchup regardless. It's fairly early in the season, but nevertheless, this was a number one versus number B matchup when I scouted it. But by the time I took a final run through the notes, it is now number B. Karaba versus number three, Najaf. Uh, Karaba lead Najaf by just one goal scored. That's a, a third type, well, a second tiebreaker. They're tied on points and they're tied on goal differential. Obviously, with so much season left to play, that's not going to hold up and it probably won't come down to that. They both trail number one, Alkua Al-Jawaya. Yes, that's just one team by one point in the table. And then in turn, they lead Al-Zara and Al-Talaba by one point. So very early on, not a huge surprise, but a very tight race. Karaba, they're a 21st century kind of club founded in 2001. They play in Baghdad. If you're wondering about the name, it means electricity club. Even if you're not, that's how it translates. They play out of the Rusafa district, which is on the uh, east side of the metro area on that side of the uh, the Tigris River. Uh, It's in the city center and it's a much older part of the city. Best league finish that they've ever had was fifth place back in 2017-18. So this is extra exciting for them that even this early in the season, they are uh, right there in the thick of the league race, particularly after last year. It's a huge league. I think 20 teams. They finished about in the middle at number nine. This year, well-balanced. The stats don't back up here early on that they're going to be able to compete for the title. But again, it's early. Uh, they've got a top five offense, top six defense, uh, top five overall goal differential. I think that's the key metric that one can look for even after a few games. Key player on the league scoring leaderboard with three already is Daouda, no, Daouda DMA from Senegal, striker, 33-year-old veteran. He's got four national team appearances with his home country since 2017. Team's current form, they have won four straight matches. And now Najaf, not too far away. Not a long trip, just 100 miles south of Baghdad, city of uh, a million and change. When the Ba'athist regime fell, I believe back in the 90s, the Shia Muslims uh, were no longer restricted with their pilgrimage uh, times. So this city probably overall has grown a lot more than the 1 million plus that I've seen. That census was from a couple of years back and things are really changing there politically. Cool mascot for them. They are known as the Desert Gazelles. Just awesome. One of a kind. Three-time league champions. uh, Or not champions, rather. Three-time league runners-up. They've never won the title. Last time they even finished that high was 2008-2009. The year before, 2007, they actually got to go to the Champions League group stage. Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, the defense where their bread is buttered, they're only giving up a goal every other game on average, but they're only barely in the top third of offense for the league. It is not a high-scoring league at all. They're well within the top half, and yet they're only getting a goal per match on the dot. They're tied for number four overall in go differential. This is another team that I don't think will be in the thick of the race come the end of the season. But that's why we only wait a few games before we start tracking any FIFA league in the world because we want to take a look at those teams that we might not be interested in later on or as interested. Catch them while they're hot. Team scoring leader with two on the season. The only guy with multiple goals, I believe. Moen Ahmad, midfielder. Team's current form. They have won five straight matches.
And match number 10. We're done. Finally. What do you mean, finally? Hey, we're heading over to the women's side of the ball again. Yeah, that's fun. UEFA Women's Champions League group stage action is going on, as we mentioned earlier. They have reached the fifth match of what will be six matches for each of the teams left alive. Here's the format of the team for the teams that are left. They've been divided into four groups of four, and after their double round robin, the top two from each of the group will move on to the knockout stage. We're going to talk about number one in their group, Arsenal, and they are taking on a team we've already talked about this podcast, number B in the group, Leon. Uh, Arsenal currently lead them by three. Leon in turn lead Juventus by two. This is a really, really exciting group. Now there might be a tighter group to be perfectly honest, but the other matches are a day behind and it just uh, isn't timing out well with the recording. I don't have those results in front of me yet. In any case, this is still going to be a great one. Arsenal is the seventh ranked club in all of Europe and the best one in English history. They won the Champions League back in 2006-2007. Last year, they lost a Wolfsburg from the Frauen Bundesliga in Germany in the quarterfinals. The team plays in Borum Wood, which is not where the uh, Arsenal men play. This is about 12 miles from uh, London Metro proper. Uh, Meadowood, the stadium, is also home to a level five men's team called Borum Wood FC. Seats about uh, 1,700 overall capacity, uh, between four and 5,000. They qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place in last year's Women's Super League, the top flight, of course, in England. They had to enter in the second of the two qualifying rounds. Here in the group stage, they've got the best offense going, two and a half goals per, tied for number one on defense, but it's still very good. Uh, They're only giving up three quarters of a goal per match on average, and they've got the number one goal differential uh, by a factor of three, so nobody else is scoring nearly as much as they are. Here in the current WSL season, they're only in third place. Uh, The offense, I don't want to say it's struggling, but it's the only the uh, third best one there. They're getting two and a half goals per. The defense is just as good as always. Third best goal differential. Key players to look for. Top 10 scorer in the league with four on the year is Frida Manum. She is from Norway, plays central midfield. And then also with four is Steina or Stina Blackstenius from Sweden. We're getting uh, we're getting that Northern Europe connection going. I love it. She plays striker for them. And then tied for number three and assists one of their mighty stars. She has four of those on the year. That is Beth Mead. Uh, she's a national team staple for England. She's got 50 appearances. And uh, statistically, she is the third rated player in this league. I use FOTMOB for my stats for that, by the way. Uh, Also, with three assists on the year, or four rather, is Caitlin Ford. Spell it with two O's in the middle, not like the car dealer. Uh, She is from Australia, plays left wing, and yes, NWSL fans, she spent a couple different stints with Portland, I believe, in the 2018-2019 season. They've also got a gal who I believe is tied for number one in goalkeeping. She's got five clean sheets on the year from Austria, Manuela Zinsberger. She's also got the best save percentage in the league. She spent several years with rising power Bayern Munich before coming over here. And one of her backups, or maybe her only backup, we have a USA connection, Kaylin uh, Marquez or Marquesi, not sure which. Uh, she was with Gotham FC, formerly Sky Blue. I think they had changed names already in 2019. She was rostered, but didn't happen to make any appearances. That team's current form, 2-1-0 across all competitions in their last three. Bring forth the bonus matches! (laughs) 
These are the matches where you have had a chance to say what the content was going to be. How so? Well, you just find me on Twitter at the beginning of every single week. My handle there is Soccer Noob USA. I put up polls with these candidate matches. You vote and the magic happens. Our first one is a first versus last place matchup that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one you selected is a Sunday match from the first league of North Macedonia. It's actually one slot below Gibraltar's league. They're ranked number 52 in UEFA. Their champion will go to the Champions League. Two other teams will go to the Europa Conference League. Everybody will start all the way back to the first qualifying round. Uh, Now, I'm not sure how many teams normally would get relegated out of this league. There was an interesting development. Uh, Not long before the start of the season, this 12-team league went down to 11 for financial reasons, I believe. Um, A team called Renova decided to drop out right before things got started. Still, I believe they're planning to relegate one team, and then the second-last place team will have to fight for their top-flight lives at the end of the year in a relegation playout match. They're about halfway through the season here. Your matchup, do they have any hope? We always look for a little bit of light. Number 11, Skopje, taking on number one, Struga. Skopje, trail number 10, Pobeda, and number nine, Academia Pondev, by just two in the table. So they're not, and they're in last place, but they've got some hope. Struga, on the other end of the table, the top, lead number B, Skupi, there's that fun one to say, by five, not quite a big enough lead that I think they're going to fall asleep, but the road is the road and one never knows what will happen. Uh, earlier this season with Struga hosted, you could probably guess what happened. They thumped them pretty good. They won 3-0. Series between these two the last couple of years, Struga have accrued a 3-0-1 record. So, hey, what do you know? Skopje has gotten a victory over them. Can they do it again at home? That is the capital of the country and they are known as the Pirates. Yar, yes, two pirate references for this show. They're kind of a yo-yo team. This is actually their second straight year in the top flight. Uh, last year was the only was only the second time in the history that they weren't relegated after their first season coming back up. Last year they finished in ninth place. Uh boy, their offense is just atrocious. One of the worst I've ever seen. One third of a goal per match is all they're averaging. Their defense isn't tons better. If they're trying to park the bus, it must be a short bus. Uh, They're giving up one and a half goal per, and so they've got the worst goal differential in the league. Uh, Team scoring leader with two is uh, Buyar Haidari, 20 years old, a towering player at six foot four. Team's current form won one and one in their last three, so they're starting to make a little bit of headway. Admittedly, the win and the draw were against the other two bottom teams, but hey, you got to play them all and try to get those points somewhere. Meanwhile, Struga, uh, that is also the name of the city they're from in the southwest part of the country. It's a popular tourist destination on the shores of Lake Orid. Now, Lake Orid proper, there is, I don't know if that's the name of it, of the actual town or not, but there's one major tourist area, and this is sort of the secondary one, much more laid back, much smaller city, or maybe you just call it a large town. It's got less than 20,000 people. As a literature guy, I've got to say, I love getting to know this area. They are known for something called Struga Poetry Evenings. I want to say that they're held in August, but uh, they're very famous throughout the region. Uh, Literature folks from all over the country and even the region come and read and perform and present there. And they produced five Nobel Prize, Prize winners for literature in the past. Just amazing. 
but back to the footy. The club, a young one, founded in 2015. They had to climb from Tier 4, to, and they made it all the way to Division 1 by the 2019-20 season. I believe there were only, uh, there's only one or two years in there that they didn't win the lower league that they were in. 2020-21 was their best finish in the top flight. They finished in third place this, that year. They lost in the first qualifying round the next year in the Europa Conference League. So they even got a little international competition. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, they've got the second best offense and defense going. Tied for number one in league scoring with nine on the year. Bessart Ibrahimi, 35-year-old veteran. He's also tied for second best in the league in assists. Uh, earlier in his career, he was very briefly with uh, German club Schalke 04. Team's current form. Three straight wins, and they are unbeaten in their last five. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. What other show, I ask you, has the heart to not only spotlight, but serenade in song two teams more or less in the middle of their table? They're not going to get to go to a European competition. They're not going to get relegated. This is the most meaningless match of the world. You selected a Saturday one from England's second division, where the top two teams will get promoted out of the championship into the Premier League. And then a third team will as well uh, after a four-team playoff at the end of the year. On the other end of the table, three of the 24 teams will get relegated. And again, these two teams probably won't have to have their blood pressure raised about it at all. Talking about number 13, Reading, they are playing host to number 12, Coventry. Pretty even series between the two of them the last couple, three years. Coventry with a slight lead at 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. Reading, about 40 miles west of London in Berkshire County. Uh, it's an interesting place because given the distance, it's something of a commuter town, but actually more people come to the town uh, from probably outside the London area, further west and further north, that actually commute over to London. It's a city of about 160,000 people, and I believe that that makes it the largest one to still be considered a borough. It's never been conferred officially by the government with city status. Their team is known as the Royals because Berkshire is often referred to as Royal Berkshire County. But long ago, they had a much cooler name, in my opinion, the Biscuit Men. Yeah, biscuits. Mm. Huntley and Palmer's was, and I believe still is, the name of a uh, company that was the first global biscuit brand ever, all the way back in the kind of early-ish 1800s. I wish they would bring that back. I mean, not just the biscuits, but the nickname. I like both mm, biscuits. They reached the Premier League in 2006, 2007, and they did so in style. Nothing meaningless about this. They got to 106 points the year before. That's an all-time English professional league record. And then they got relegated after two years. They made it up one more time, 2012-2013. Last year, they just about got the boot down to League One, the third tier. They finished 21st place, a narrow escape. Uh, this year, the defense is a bit more of a problem than the offense. They're giving up a little bit less than one and a half per game, but it's not that high scoring a league, so that's just not really good. They've got one of the bottom uh, five or six goal differentials going. Interestingly, they've managed to stay afloat because they seem to just absolutely go feast or famine. They're the only uh, there are only three teams in the league that have more wins than them, but there are only four that have more losses. I think they've only got two draws on the year. Very unusual. Best player I believe they have going is Thomas Ince. That's I-N-C-E. Plays right winger for them. 
uh, team leader with four goals, and he's got three assists as well. Really good on crosses and tackling. His longest career stint with was a club named Blackpool, but he did play on loan for Crystal Palace a few months. Uh, Crystal Palace a few months one time. There we go. Uh, there was a time when he was on the national team radar. He made 15 U twenty one appearances back when he was a kid. That was uh, between two thousand eleven and fourteen. Teams current form. Well, they got a win over number twenty Hull, and that snapped a four match winless streak in their last one. And now looking to send them back on that slide, coming to town, Coventry. It's in the central part of the country, a county called the West Midlands. Uh, they've got less than 350,000 people there. It's the 10th biggest city in England, number 12 in all of the UK. They've been known for a number of things over the years. Interestingly, uh, way back when, 1800s, I'm sure they were known for ribbon making. And then as the century progressed, they became known for bicycle manufacturing, and then it moved on to cars. That was a really big deal. But a lot of those factories, as has happened to a lot of areas in England, have moved on, I believe, to other parts of Europe uh, that uh, where the labor is a little bit cheaper. There are a lot of redevelopment initiatives in place now, but they're still waiting for those to really kick in. Also, interesting side note about this team, constant protests that seems going on uh, over the SISU hedge fund. It's funny that they're protest protesting this group. They basically almost went bankrupt or into something called administration where the league was going to have to, I believe, run and then have a hand in selling the team. But the SISU hedge fund saved them from that in 2007. But they put in a lot of cost-cutting measures, and nobody's really liked that. Uh, they even had to play at Birmingham City Stadium uh, for one or two seasons a little while back to avoid being kicked out of the professional league entirely. My guess is that the stadium needed some kind of upgrades, not exactly sure. Last year, they finished in 12th place right in the middle of the table, and actually that was their best finish in over 15 years. Uh, they had a long but only one Premier League period, and that was from 1967 through 2001, right before really what's considered the modern era of the Premier League began. They've got one little bit of success, uh, not really top flight, but you'll get what I mean. In their history, they won the FA Cup back in 1987. They're probably due to be a little bit higher in the teams and might have avoided being the most meaningless match. But for some reason, they've got two matches in hand on nearly all the clubs in the entire league. That's There's way too much room between them and the teams at the top that they're not going to get promoted. But, you know, they might climb a little bit higher. Key player for them, second best goalkeeper in the league with 10 clean sheets, Ben Wilson. He's got the best save percentage going in all of the championship. I think the best club he probably played for was Cardiff City. He's been with a number of yo-yo clubs that have uh, bounced back and forth between the top two divisions and spent more time in the second division, to be perfectly honest. But I think their best player overall is probably their central midfielder, young fellow named Ben Sheaf. He's only got two assists on the year, no goals. In fact, only one shot on goal. But he's more defensively oriented, lightning quick, loads of interceptions, really plays the position well. Team's current form, they have won four straight, and all of those were shutouts. And now we reach the true end of our podcast road. Match number 13, appropriately, Overall, between the bonus matches and the main 10, a couple of egg-sucking bottom feeders is what we're going to look at here. We're going to crack the whip. This is the match of... Disappointed! 
And the one that you have selected is actually not a top flight match. It is one from the second division in Spain, La Liga 2 or Segunda División, where we're not even going to talk about how many teams are going to get promoted. It's not going to matter for these two a lick because four of the 22 are going to get relegated. And these two are the bottom two of those four. Number 22, last place, UD Ibiza taking on number one, 21 rather, number one, they wish, Malaga. Malaga currently lead Ibiza by one, and they also trail number 18, that's the worst team that isn't in the relegation zone, Racing Santander by five. Uh, recent series between these two, not much to go on here. Ibiza have accrued a one and one and O record. Abisa, they don't play in the mainland. It's the uh, biggest city at about 50,000 in the Balearic Islands, which I'm sure if you like to party, and you know how New probably likes to party. I'm old. I don't get to party anymore. It's no, Ibiza is known for its nightlife. Oh, and how. I would love to make it over there one day just for the people watching. 2021 was their first season that they'd ever been even as high as the second division. And yet... In 2020-2021, in their FA Cup, they beat a top-flight team, Celta Vigo. Quite a scalp for them. Last year, they finished in fifth place in this division. The big problem is their defense. It's not a high-scoring league, and they give up one-and-a-half goals per. The offense, not a whole lot better, only two-thirds of a goal per match. They've got the worst goal differential by 50%. They are going down like a sack of putrid potatoes, which is a really good analogy you know, just for what the team is, quite frankly. Rather than talking about the best player of the team, as we do for all the rest of the show, which of their starters is the biggest gosh-darn problem? Well, I'm going to pick on their striker, Sergio Castell. No goals and just one assist in 14 appearances. You're, you're, you're getting paid, son. You know that, right? At least I hope you are. Well, I, actually, I don't care because you're not good. Um, Atletico Madrid had the rights to him, but he was never rostered with the senior team. He was with their uh, with their B team, but he never made any appearances for them. They even loaned him off to an Indian club, Jamshedpur in the I-League, and then here. But now he's here on an independent contract. Atletico Madrid is like, yeah, we're tired of seeing nothing out of you. We'll just let somebody else see that nothing. Team's current form, unsurprisingly, they have lost three straight with a measly one and four goal differential. And now uh, Malaga, that is a city in Andalusia, which is the southern part of Spain. It's the sixth biggest city in the country at about 600,000 people. Uh, known for its tourism, gorgeous, gorgeous area geographically, and also for its uh, blossoming tech industry. It's a very old city, too, founded all the way back in the 8th century BC, I want to say by the Phoenicians. And they have a very interesting nickname. I don't know if I approve, but it's a thousand times better than Lions. You know what? That is good enough for me. Say hello to the anchovies. Yeah, put them on a field, not on pizza or actually in anything I'm going to eat. Uh, most of the 20th century they spent in Division One, 2011-2012 uh, season. They actually finished all the way up in fourth place. And so they got to go to the Champions League and actually made it all the way to the quarterfinals. Oh, the halcyon days before they were absolutely rotten. They'd be better off playing foosball, quite frankly. Last year, they finished in 18th place in the league. So they flirted with getting relegated. And gosh darn it, this year, they're going to follow through. Uh, defense is bad. One and a quarter games per match. Offense is even worse. So bad, I don't even want to talk about it. Number 21 goal differential. They are where they belong. Worst player on their team, big problem child, is Lauren Zuniga. And I do mean child. He's only 19 years old, plays center forward. But no excuses here. 
on SNRA. Oh no, we expect performance. You're not giving it 11 appearances in that offensive position. No goals, no assists. He, uh, He's a decent dribbler, although as a center forward, I'm not sure why that responsibility ever falls to him. And quite frankly, he does, uh, how am I going to phrase this? He does fudge all else for the team statistically. Doesn't track back on defense, not that that would normally be a part of that position. Uh, No good on crosses, just, just kind of a big sack of stones out there. Amazingly, he actually made uh, two under-19 national team appearances in 2019. Uh, by the time he was out of his team, out of his teens, the national team had the good sense to be done with this guy. Team's current form, uh, they lo- their loss to number five Levante actually snacked a one-three and zero streak across all competitions. So, a little bit of credit where it's due between league play and uh, the Copa del Rey, the FA Cup. They've actually been experiencing a little bit of success. Nevertheless, you will get no apologies from Team Noob. We do what we do, and we don't owe them or you or anyone else any kind of explanations. Again, we will crack that whip. More importantly, we will see them off instead of with good luck wishes, but in our usual disturbing and heckling fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! Boo! Waldorf Statler, thank you for doing your duty from the opera box up there and shooing away these miscreants, these rapscallions, these scalawags. Okay, I'm done with all that. <laughs> yeah, that's really how we end the show. This has been episode 113 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Personoob, who I would like to thank for all of her efforts and humor and fun and support. Mwah, love you so much. Also, as always, thank you to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production duties. To Dan, the Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts and inspirations, and most importantly to you. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We're kind of a niche podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed enough that you'll pass this along to your footy-minded friends. We're going to keep covering matches from all over the world. We're going to keep heading in our own humor for better or for worse. Hopefully it's for better since you made it all the way through the show. Until we can do it again in a few days. Please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.